It would be an understatement to say that Sony and their PlayStation 5 future of gaming event had high levels of expectations. Now, up until now, Sony has been fairly quiet when it comes to talking about their next-gen system and its plans. So far, we have one Wired article, one Mark Cerny talk, which was intended for GDC, and one PlayStation blog post revealing the DualSense. Microsoft, on the other hand, seemed to be giving gamers a near-perfect drip feed of reveals and information from the Game Awards to Xbox Wire to Digital Foundry and more. It seemed like Microsoft was making all the right decisions and had many people asking why Sony was being so quiet about the PlayStation 5. And that is until the May edition of Inside Xbox, which did get overhyped and ultimately disappointed many fans. What this did was leave the door open for Sony to capture attention with a well-executed event. Now, would Sony be able to seize this opportunity? This is the Video Games Podcast, and right after this, we will take a look at the future of gaming with PlayStation 5. I am curious how much of this event was created based on the negative response that Microsoft received on their May edition of Inside Xbox. That was supposed to feature lots of games for the Series X, but unfortunately the games that were shown were fairly unheard of and most didn't even show actual gameplay. Clearly, PlayStation was planning something, but I wonder how it was altered, possibly to add more games, more exclusives, maybe even the reveal of the system, etc. So how did Sony respond? Well, my immediate thoughts on the event was that Sony was able to deliver a near flawless and polished event that corrected problems that many people had with Microsoft's May event. For starters, on the most basic level, there was over double the gaming reels as we saw 13 during Inside Xbox, with arguably the biggest gameplay reveal being Assassin's Creed Valhalla with actually not much gameplay. And if you count GTA 5, a game that was released in 2013, then we saw 27 games during the PlayStation event, which is over double what we saw during Inside Xbox, and I don't think that is a coincidence. In Microsoft's defense, they did state that their broadcast was only going to focus on third-party titles, which at the time didn't sound like a bad idea, but in hindsight, I think it clearly wasn't enough to satiate fans and their appetite for next-gen games. Now, Microsoft is expected to do a first-party-centric episode of Inside Xbox for the month of July, and it will be interesting to see how they respond but also, they're supposed to have an event in June, and we have heard nothing about it as of yet, and we are almost halfway through the month. I wonder how much of the June Xbox event that they are planning is affected by what happened this week at the PlayStation 5 event, which brings us back, but where to begin? Now, clocking in at almost an hour and a half, there was a lot of information to digest. There was a lot of first-party reveals, third-party reveals, and plenty of indie titles on the software side of things. Over on the hardware side of things, the design of the PS5 was revealed in actually two formats, one with an optical drive and one fully digital, and then there was also first-party accessories shown, which bodes well for this generation of PlayStation. One of the reasons that PlayStation 4 and basically every PlayStation is such a huge success is the console exclusives, even dating back to the original PlayStation. Now, just a few months ago, on the PlayStation blog, it was revealed that all of the first-party studios would be releasing games under the PlayStation Studios brand, and its impact was felt immediately. 
Having every first-party PlayStation game let in by this logo instantly lets you know the caliber of game that you are about to see and amps up the hype. Now, Xbox does a similar thing with Xbox Game Studios, but on PlayStation, I just wasn't expecting to feel an impact from this recent change just quite so quickly. While we are talking about PlayStation Studios, we saw nine games from Sony first-party developers. If there was one prediction that I would have made for games that we would see at this event, I would have said whatever Housemark has been working on since 2017 when it shipped Next Machina and Matterfall before deciding that it was done with arcade-style games as they weren't profitable due to the lack of demand. Now, Housemark is not a first-party studio, but falling under the umbrella means that this game has been managed by Sony, which means that that it will likely be a console exclusive. Now, the good news for people that loved games from Housemark is that the new game, Returnal, looks to have a lot of the arcade character to it, even though it looks to have a much bigger scope. Returnal is a third-person roguelike that features a Tom Cruise Edge of Tomorrow vibe. Insomniac seems to have been very busy revealing two games at the event. The first is coming holiday 2020, and that is Spider-Man Miles Morales, which looks to be in the exact same formula that Insomniac used with Infamous Second Son and the fast follow-up Infamous First Light. Now, not much gameplay was shown, but based on how Sony has been talking about how much better Spider-Man runs on the PS5 with the SSD and ray tracing, this game should be another great adventure in New York City this holiday. The other game that was shown from Insomniac was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which sees you take full advantage of what an SSD is capable of and seamlessly jumps from one dimension to the next. Ratchet and Clank games have always been at the forefront of delivering next-gen visuals and gameplay dating all the way back to the Lombax's first foray on PlayStation back in 2002. At the time, it felt like you were playing a Pixar movie, although I'm sure looking back on that footage now, it looks nothing like a Pixar movie, but Rift Apart looks truly amazing and the team at Insomniac is always extremely clever when it comes to gameplay features in the series with its variety of traversal and weaponry. These two Insomniac reveals are great news, but it also means that Resistance will have to wait just a little longer. Bluepoint Games also confirmed what has been rumored for a long time, and that is that their follow-up to the excellent remaster of Shadow of the Colossus from 2018 will be the remaster of Demon Souls from 2009. From Software has caught fire and gained mainstream success with recent releases including Bloodborne and Sekiro. This remaster should help entertain fans who are hungry for their next game, Elden Ring. I'm not sure if it's a little too late, but it appears that Sackboy from Little Big Planet will be getting his own adventure in an effort to make him a more recognizable digital star. Sackboy, a big adventure, is developed by Sumo Digital, while Medium Molecule has been busy creating dreams. Sumo is also the developers behind Little Big Planet 3 and Little Big Planet on the Vita, which means that this game is in the right hands. The trailer has a very strong Super Mario 3D world feel going for it, which is a great thing, and it also looks to feature 1-4 to four player co-op, and that is hopefully local. One of the most anticipated games for PlayStation was revealed, and that was Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel from Guerrilla. 
Now, I expect this next adventure of Aloy to be a launch title for the PlayStation 5, but there was no time shown at the end of trailer, which is a little odd. I still have a strong feeling that this will be available on day one to give fans extra incentive to purchase the console at launch. The trailer looks stunning as the team at Gorilla is clearly learning and pushing the limits of the Decima engine with its new color palette. It also showed Aloy climbing cliffside and swimming, similar to Link in Breath of the Wild. Now, one of the main issues that I had with playing Horizon Zero Dawn was how there were so many invisible walls, especially when compared to Breath of the Wild, which comparisons to that game were inevitable as they were released mere weeks apart and they were both open world exploration hand combat style games. There were also plenty of indie titles shown off as well, including a few interesting looking titles from Annapurna, including Stray, which is about a cat in a cyberpunk style world, where there are only robots remaining, which I guess would just make it a cyber world. One game that caught my attention the most was Little Devil Inside. This game has apparently been in development for quite some time now, and was even kickstarted back in 2015. Its animation style gives it a unique feel, and from the trailer, it looks to combine elements of Zelda with Uncharted to create this open-world adventure. I'm very excited to hear more about that game, and it is definitely on my radar now. All of the games shown gave a stark contrast to the gaming reveals of the Xbox Series X event. Not only did PlayStation deliver the goods with some great first-party reveals, but they also had a great assortment of third-party titles, and not just any third-party titles, but some highly anticipated games, including Capcom's Resident Evil 8 Village, Arcane's Deathloop, and IO's Hitman 3, which is coming early 2021 and looks truly next-gen. These third-party games are the ones that people want, and although some were exclusive, it's just important to show off as many games as possible. One thing to note is that none of the games said launch at the end of trailer, which leads me to believe that scheduling is still very much up in the air with PlayStation. The biggest questions heading into the event was will Sony show the PlayStation 5 and will we get a price? While we didn't see a price on the system just yet, Sony did however show us not one, but two versions of the PlayStation 5, and before discussing those two different models, there is the futuristic design of the PlayStation 5. For starters, this is a very divisive design choice, easily the most futuristic design that they have had to date. If you look at their history of console designs, PlayStation has played it relatively safe, going with some form of rectangle essentially. This is a clear departure from the norm and shows how committed PlayStation is to their messaging that this generation is truly making great strides. One way to get the message across how committed you are to the future of gaming is to have a radical design change. At the very least, it will get people talking about whether or not they like the look of the system, and more word of mouth is free advertising. Regarding the two variations of the PS5, the option to make one without an optical drive is very interesting. There are plenty of theories as to why they would make this decision, including keeping the cost down and competing with the rumored Xbox Project Lockhart, which has been said to be everything from just a diskless option to being something like a USB stick that lets you access Xbox Live and Game Pass. Now, around a month ago, Bloomberg reported that with the pandemic, the manufacturing cost of the PlayStation 5 was around $450 just on silicone alone. This is not including everything else such as marketing, packing, shipping, and any other cost incurred from getting the PlayStation 5 from a factory to your hands. 
Sony also showed off a few first-party accessories which bodes well for the upcoming generation by showing that they want to have a little more control on the accessory market rather than watching third parties capitalize on the opportunity. They showed off a camera, a charging dock, headphones, and a remote controller, and all of these items look like they belong alongside the newly established design. Not only do they look great, but having these accessories designed by Sony leads to a more streamlined and compatible experience. And while discussing first-party accessories, I wonder if there is room for a pro version of the DualSense, as one of the most requested items I wanted from this generation was a pro version of the DualShock. Overall, in my mind, the PlayStation 5 Future of Gaming event was a success, especially considering that it was put together during a pandemic, yet had a very professional feel and tone. I'm excited to see how Xbox can respond to this event now that Sony has set the tone for first-party exclusives and accessories. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you made it this far and enjoyed what you've heard, then consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a positive review or rating if you think it's worth it. We recently finished up our review of Minecraft Dungeons, so if you were considering that game or are interested in anything about Minecraft, then check out the video. I'll post the link in the description. That's all for the podcast this week. Please remember to be nice to your fellow gamer, and more importantly, be nice to your fellow human.